Global Diplomacy Lab. Coffee Break. With Khaldun Asadi. Welcome to the GDL Coffee Break podcast, where we introduce you to the work and ideas of inspiring experts within the Global Diplomacy Lab network. This episode will be again packed with insight into work routines, perspectives on challenges and sources of inspiration from our wonderful guest. Enjoy, as always, your coffee or whatever hot or cold beverage you prefer along the way. And please consider the show notes as they provide further information on the topics raised. With me today is Dirk Brengelmann, former diplomat and dean of the Global Diplomacy Lab. Amongst many interesting positions he held, he was also the German ambassador to Brazil. It's good to have you. Thank you very much and uh, very pleased to be with you here. It's great to have you on board. And uh, first of all, let me get an insight in what your work routines have looked like when you've been an ambassador. That's a very challenging work to do. So please give us an insight. How did you manage your work day back then? Uh, that is a bit a mix of uh, trying to achieve some of the very personal interests you may have in a certain position. But uh, as an ambassador, you're not completely context-free. There's a team, they want you to do something. There's your host government, which wants you to be present at certain occasions. And, for example, at my last posting in the Netherlands, there were kind of events which happened on a specific day every year. So whilst as an ambassador, I was able to also structure and delimit, so to say, my job myself, I was also, to be honest, part of a system or a machinery which took charge of me. So I always had this dilemma. People wanted something from me and I wanted something from them. And how did you figure out what your priorities were? That is different from posting to posting. So, for example, when I served in Brazil, it was very important for me to also look at issues related to climate and the environment because, yes, evidently that was an important topic in Brazil. So I traveled to the Amazon region a lot. The other topic which was very important was uh, business, economy. German business is very much present in, in Brazil. In the Netherlands were different issues, uh, also economy, business, clearly. But, you know, together with the Dutch, we are members of international organizations like the European Union and NATO. So it was a lot of policy coordination. And then when you are posted to a country which is a member of the EU, you realize a lot of things are done between capitals. So you need to define your role let me say, your added value on a daily basis. What can I do today which helps relations and what others cannot do better? Okay, let's say as an ambassador, you are a high-profile individual. A lot of people come to your table and have different interests. I want to get a better understanding how you decide which topic is important. Is it only based on the interests of the German government or in what term do you also consider the interests of your host country? 
That is usually what a diplomat is supposed to do, to link the two together, to help bridge differences or to help strengthen relations. So you always need to keep in mind what your host government has in mind. But in the end of it, you represent German interests. That's why you are the German ambassador, not the Dutch ambassador, for example. But you can only do so when you have a constant eye on what the Dutch need, want, uh, what their main interests are. And I think that's the overall thing of the art of diplomacy, to always keep in mind what do the others want. So have a clear view beyond your own horizon so that you're really able to, yeah, to help formulate possible platforms for understanding or compromises and That helps international relations, that helps bilateral relations. I love the way that you explained the art of diplomacy, because the art of diplomacy is at the heart of the Global Diplomacy Lab. And uh, you just uh, brought up one important factor when it comes to diplomacy, which is bringing different interests together. Um, for the Global Diplomacy Lab, it is now the 10th anniversary And we recently met in Tunisia to talk about um, challenges, chances for the future of the Global uh, Diplomacy Lab for this very diverse community. As you are now the new dean, I think me, myself, but also our community and probably also beyond are interested in your perspectives on on the one hand, challenges that uh, such a community like the Global Diplomacy Lab faces, but also the question of what opportunities are lying ahead for the Global Diplomacy Lab. Your take on that? Let me perhaps first start with something which is at the heart of diplomacy and uh, then jump to that question you just asked. Um, I mentioned one point, which is to keep in mind the interests of the others so that you can formulate perhaps platforms for understanding and for compromises. There's another thing which I believe is very important when it comes to the work of a diplomat or diplomacy, and that is to connect the dots. When you are an ambassador, you see the interests of your host government when it comes to EU policy, to NATO policy, to business, to the environment, etc., etc. So you see the whole range of relations, and you can then figure out where is understanding more likely than not? Where do we perhaps have to give in a little bit? Where should I advise the other side to give in a little bit? And uh, with this, you try to forge relations even better. For the GDL, the GDL festival was the first big event where I joined as dean. I've been at the Platt Strategy Forum, another event where we appeared as the GDL. But in terms of internal meetings, that was my first one. So it was a bit of a special event to start with because it was not one of the usual labs or so. It was a festival. And it was very good to have that occasion because I was able to meet a lot of members and I could understand why people talk about the community spirit. And how many times did I hear the expression, how wonderful people And now I was able at least to meet a lot of them. And I found it very interesting to see the mix of people. They come from different backgrounds, different countries, but they all united by a wish to move forward. And at the GDL Festival, 
I was struck by one expression where one of our members said, you know, I'm afraid we're living in a world which seems to fall apart. But there was evidently a wish from all of them present there that exactly that is not what we want to experience. We don't want it. And then there was a lot of discussions to move from the how, which was an important factor. Over many years, we do labs different than traditional diplomacy. We bring different people together. And now there was a bit the spirit. And after we have done uh, this, we now need also to perhaps get a clearer focus in what we do. And that was a very interesting debate. And I think that is the debate which we will now focus on. We have ideas and I think they will be communicated with the community very soon so that we can perhaps move forward with the how and what at the same time. And I believe I've seen a lot of talent with, uh, in our membership to, to actually move the GDL further in this, let's be honest, very difficult and challenging situation for global affairs or for international relations. You talked about the how and what of the GDL. Um, and you talked about focus. I would be interested in understanding better what you mean, what the areas of focus are that are important to the GDL from your perspective. For example, one of the things which came up when it comes to perhaps have a little bit more focus was the area of crisis prevention. And I think that that's evidently something when you have the title Global Diplomacy Lab, that's something which kind of falls naturally into the realm of what you consider diplomacy and, and global in any event. And with labs, we may help on that front. So that is an issue we are now looking at. Uh, and we'll, we'll be looking at it in more concrete terms in the future. And that is something where we will be engaged. Don't take that in a too narrow sense, because, for example, what I really did like, for example, about past work, which I've seen, was the issue water diplomacy. Because water diplomacy would also fall under that rubric, I think, because when it comes to water, you can have major conflicts. And to help solve water conflict situations could help in a larger sense. So water and climate would also be part of that. And I think here we'll be coming out with more precise issues in the near future. So we understood now an example of crisis diplomacy, such as water diplomacy. And I want to get back to the fact that the GDL is a very diverse community. We talk about inclusive diplomacy, where we also have non-traditional diplomats. What is your take on the importance of including traditional and non-traditional diplomats when it comes to crisis prevention as one of the areas that the GDL should focus on? Naya, let me be honest. Uh, when we had our GDL festival, uh, traditional diplomats were in a clear minority. There were not too many traditional diplomats. So when you talk about a mix, uh, the, the mix could have been a little bit larger on the side of traditional diplomats. But never mind, there are many people, I realize, who have been working around, uh, for example, 
in NGOs which are related to climate issues or colleagues which work for the GIZ. I've met several ones, uh, members who have a relationship with the GIZ. So you can see people who have been working in areas related to diplomacy. There's a, quite a lot of them. I think I mentioned that at the festival. I have been in jobs where traditional diplomats were rather between themselves. And then later I've been in, in jobs where I could really say the NGOs played a much larger role in Brazil, whether it was environment or whether it was right of indigenous people, human rights. You could always also see the impact or the importance of NGOs. And in the Netherlands, I think I also mentioned that at our meeting, not so much in the bilateral field, but when it comes to international justice, I've seen at the international courts, I've seen a lot of representatives of NGOs. So I think I realized in my, in, in my last positions, uh, I did really realize that it is important that we, the traditional diplomats, reach out and vice versa and... Mm, It's evident. Uh, perhaps we were a little bit too shy on that in, in the past decades. I don't know. Uh, I had jobs, as I said, uh, in, which were rather restrictive on that sense. And I have had jobs which were much more open on that. So you can't perhaps say it's a master copy for every position of a traditional diplomat. But I think the overall realization, even in the foreign ministries, is that we need to be able to reach out much more, communicate more, but also reach out more. I think that's also when I look into my ministry where I've been serving for over 30 years, I think the younger generation have clearly understood this. I like the way how you pointed out the importance of synergies of traditional and non-traditional diplomats that could evolve if they communicate with each other. You have mentioned already several times the importance of crisis diplomacy or crisis prevention, better to say. And you also referred to the difficult situation vis-a-vis -vis global affairs. And I can totally understand that, that that resonates with me these are quite dark times and in these dark times it's so important to hold on to positive glimpses out there which leads me to my question concerning sources of inspiration you've been a diplomat for over 30 years which is an impressive record and i i can only imagine that there had been times you know, where every one of us felt low. And I'd be interested in what kept you up, what inspired you day to day, and even in those difficult times, to keep your spirit up and to go on doing what you're doing. You know, I think every diplomat, but also every other professional will face that from time to time, that you're in situations where you feel utterly frustrated. You know, for example, one of my postings was Haiti. And when I left, I thought 30 years ago, I already thought, gosh, this, this is really a, a difficult situation for this country. It can't really get worse. I was wrong. It could get worse. And still, uh, I, I hope that one day the international uh, community will be able to rally around and, and do something about it. There is talk now at the United Nations to do something about it. 
But uh, that was a source of frustration. Also, I no longer surfed there. I kept in touch with people there. And that frustrated me a lot. The other issue, which really was a matter of frustration, is very recent. I was working in many positions which had to do with security policy. So I could see or I could say that I was around in many instances where we did the Charter of Helsinki, the Charter of Paris, major pieces for international security, especially here for a European peace order. And recent events around Russia, Ukraine have really brought that to shambles. That for somebody who's worked on that for 30 years is a matter of frustration. But I never ever felt giving up because there has been some some inner voice, if you may call it that way, which told me it is important to work for international understanding and peace. And actually, it was something I felt in me already at a very early stage. Perhaps uh, people don't know that, but I started as an investment banker. So something very different from what I did later. And uh, I hope there are not too many bankers now listening in, but I, I didn't feel an inner voice when I did that. It was interesting. You could make a lot of deals. You could actually earn a lot of money, but it wouldn't get me on a personal level. So I left it and I started, I started anew as a diplomat with, uh, you know, running the uh, competition, uh, going to the diplomatic school after many years in investment bank. And I only felt a certain professional satisfaction when I started doing this. So it has been with me from day one and this uh, strong urge uh, to contribute to something, uh, peace uh, was something which was always present with me. But I must admit that right now I have sometimes the sense of frustration, but that again wouldn't lead me to giving up. It is great to see and, and thank you for sharing your your calling, if you will, to become a diplomat. And maybe you have a story or an event that happened during your time as a diplomat where you have felt the positive impact of what you are doing. Is there such a story that you could share? I was very satisfied in one of my first postings with the foreign ministry in Haiti, where actually together with people working for the GEZ and the Kreditanstalt für Wiederaufbau, we managed to create a system whereby we could do Katastre in that country. I don't know the English word, Landvermessung. Uh, and we were doing Katastre to help bring in then on a second level small electric power stations along river sides in, in very local communities. So that was something where I really felt happy and proud. In, in Brazil, during my time as an ambassador there, together with others, with colleagues, we managed to make sure that Germany would join the Amazon Fund so that we could contribute financially to the Amazon Fund. I was very proud uh, when Germany agreed uh, to do that during government consultations with Brazil. On a smaller level in the Netherlands, I was very happy that we were able in a German war cemetery where you had many dead soldiers, but 
on the grounds of this war cemetery, we built a building which was supposed to be, in German you would say, a Begegnungsstätte, a meeting facility for people from, young people from different nations to talk about the dangers of war, the, the, the risks of conflicts, etc. And we were able to construct that jointly, German money and Dutch money. And um, it was amazing to see even representatives of the Jewish community in the Netherlands would come there and think, this is a great idea. So we were able to, to do that. And I was able to find somebody in the German Bundestag who actually helped me to make sure the money would come, which is, in the end, always the necessary part. Thank you so much, dear Dean Dirk Bringemann. That was a really interesting, a really interesting conversation in terms of the insights into your work as a former ambassador, but also in terms of the perspectives on your perspective on the GDL. And I hope that we can continue our conversation some other time. Thank you so, so much for making the time talking to us. Thank you very much, Kaldun, and great that you took the initiative. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the GDL Coffee Break Podcast. Executive Producer Svenja Prigge. Audio Production by Thomas Reintjes. Visual Design by Juli August. Music Brad. Produced by La Crembo. This is your host Raldun Asadi and I hope you tune in next time. <laughs>